Michigan 43, Purdue 22. Apologies if I do sound sick in this video, it's because I am, but my voice is still functional enough and my mental capacity and attitude is still functional enough to record and talk about the sport I love and the team that I love, so I'm going to do it. Uh, Michigan played it very close with Purdue, very close, and they really only pulled away after Aiden O'Connell threw his second interception to Will Johnson, who picked him off twice, and then like three plays later, J.J. McCarthy has a 17-yard pass, a dot to Ronnie Bell in the end zone. That's really when the game was over with 9.06 remaining in the game. And I want to talk about this game because this is the game right here that gave me some, it gave me things to look at and things that I like and love, but it also gave me some concerns. I had Michigan, granted this was before I knew that Coram was going to be out for the year with surgery on his knee. I had Michigan at number one ahead of Georgia. Michigan to this day still has the better win, uh, beating Ohio State by 22 points in the Buckeyes' own home is impressive because the Buckeyes are viewed as the fourth best team in the nation. I and the coaches poll view them as the third best team in the nation. Power rankings probably view them as the third or second best team in the nation. And Michigan whipped them in Columbus by 22 points. Georgia, by comparison, their best win is a 14-point win over 10-2 Tennessee that was just as dominant but over an inferior opponent and they themselves had home field advantage. But Georgia did something that Michigan didn't do. Georgia, after what looked like LSU was going to drive and score and get get the game off to a, a favorable start, if you looked at the win probability, and I love statistics, I love win probability, you look at that, and the graph was showing an upward, almost close to exponential trend in favor of LSU. And then they tried to settle for a field goal. It was blocked. You could tell LSU and Brian Kelly aren't elite at coaching because their special teams unit stood there and Georgia picked it up and returned it, returned it for a touchdown. And then LSU responded with the Kayshawn Booty touchdown, but then Georgia went on a 28-0 run and then LSU closed with a field goal to make the score 35-10 to at the half in favor of Georgia. Georgia assassinated LSU. And there were things about the game that told me that Georgia's not invincible. This Georgia team still has the vulnerabilities of last season. Their secondary will be exposed by a team like Ohio State. And now that Michigan is J.J. McCarthy, more mobile quarterback, a quarterback with a better arm, a quarterback with an arm, with good decision-making, with sprinkles of NFL talent either within himself or at the wide receiver position and a good O-line will score points on Georgia and LSU has they don't have an offensive line Jaden Daniels was sacked into injury this whole season and in this game actually Doug um, not Doug Nussmeyer but Garrett Nussmeyer Doug Nussmeyer's son entered the game and torched that secondary but anyway Michigan wasn't able to pull away until the fourth quarter against a Purdue team that is much more efficient than LSU, 
but a Purdue team that, if we're being honest here, they've struggled all year. A Purdue team that was never in it against Wisconsin or Iowa. And Jeff Brom's a great coach. I hear that he is rumored to head to his alma mater, the University of Louisville, later today. But those are just rumors for now. It was a great game by Purdue. Aiden O'Connell, I thought, played one of his better games of the year. It just stunk for him that he faced the best defense that he had faced all season, outside of maybe facing Iowa. But the best or second best defense he's faced all year, he took on in Indy. And both teams actually had the same amount of red zone trips, but Purdue scored a touchdown and five field goals while Michigan scored six touchdowns, and they also had a two-point conversion, hence that 21-point win, despite Purdue outgaining Michigan by 70 yards, having 10 more first downs, and having seven more minutes of time of possession. So Michigan, they're 13-0 for the first time ever. Michigan has had 13 wins in a season. They have a chance to get their 14th and 15th win if they beat TCU in the semifinal and if they win the national title. And I, as a Michigan fan, think that my team can do it. I absolutely think they can. I also think that Ohio State and Georgia can. It's going to be much harder for TCU to win it all, but they're in it for a reason. They have the most top 25 wins, and they might be the most clutch team here outside of Michigan. But let's get into the analysis part of it and get get into talking about some things that I like and didn't like. Michigan played bend but don't break against Purdue, and they never, they never broke outside of that first touchdown. 10 plays, 92 yards, 5 minutes of T.O.P. Purdue responded and tied at 7-7. And then they actually took the lead at one point with a, a field goal. At one point, it was 10-7 to in favor of Purdue. Michigan, throughout the game, trailed Purdue in total yards, in first downs, and time of possession, much like they did, mind you, against Ohio State, by the way. Michigan ended the game against Ohio State with slightly more yards, and I think less or around the same amount of first downs, but with less T.O.P., Michigan, of course, in both of these games, won the turnover battle, were more efficient in the red zone, played that bend-but-don't-break defense, and they had their key moments, and they still had their explosive plays. Donovan Edwards with his 27-yard TD run. He also had like a, a run of 50 yards. I think maybe even more than 60 yards is what he had on the opening, yes, the opening drive after the second half. It was a long of 60. Yes, he averaged 7.4 yards per carry, had 185 yards on 25 carries. Donovan Edwards is just explosive, even with that um, dinged-up hand. And I hope that that hand heals well, because I think we're going to need him in his receiving threat, too, and we're going to need him to have full running capability, because that one hand being injured definitely affects his ability to secure the football. And against Georgia's linebackers... I do not, you know, against really any college football playoff defense that we're going to be facing, which is probably going to be better than Purdue or more schemed against Purdue, more schemed than Purdue's was against Michigan because they have a month to prepare. I want him to have full, I want him to be 100% in the playoff game. 
But Michigan played a bend-but-don't-break defense, and that combined with Purdue's red zone failures, Purdue being ultra-conservative in calling five field goals, they were down by nine points. And then Ronnie Bell got that touchdown, and Michigan got that two-point conversion. You're down by 17, and you choose to kick a field goal with 5.07 left. You're not going to get two touchdowns in that time frame. Got to go for it if you want to win. And you could argue even beforehand when Purdue was down by you know 12 against Michigan in the early fourth quarter. You go for it. You don't kick the field goal there. Mitchell Finneran, he was he was five of five on the day, which seeing that he he wasn't rated as a very high kicker before today, but he went five of five. He was clutch. There were times where he almost missed it, but he always snuck it in. Five of five, one of one in extra points. He had a long of 45, which was actually his career long of the season. Brought him up to 75% in field goals, which that just shows you how inconsistent he was before this game. Purdue's red zone failures just, it, it buried them in that second half. And Michigan without quorum is still an elite football team. Purdue entering this game was 3-0 and against AP top three teams. The teams that they had beaten at, that at the time were top three were 2018 Ohio State, who went on to actually finish the year as a top three team with a 13-1 and record. They beat Iowa last year, who was finished 10-4 and in top 25, and Michigan State, who finished 11-2 and and was top 10. Michigan pulled away. Purdue, I do think, is better than their Citrus Bowl opponent, LSU, so I'm excited to see how that game goes especially if the rumors are true and Jeff Brom becomes Louisville's head coach. But with the transfer portal, the coaching carousel, NIL, the college football landscape is changing rapidly. There's a lot to talk about. And on my live stream tonight, I am actually going to talk a lot about the transfer portal. So make sure you hit that notification bell, subscribe to my channel, like this video, and comment your thoughts on the Big Ten Championship game down below. But most importantly... Hit that notification bell so you can get notified when I go live tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Michigan without Corum, they're still elite. Corum nearly had 1,500 rushing yards. He had 18 rushing touchdowns, averaged around 6 yards per carry. It stinks. We might never see him again in a Michigan uniform. It would be cool. It'd be cool if he came back next year, but if he doesn't, no harm, no foul. He helped Michigan. He helped Michigan achieve this 13-0 record, despite the fact that he played two carries against Ohio State and didn't play against Purdue. He got us here. He helped us beat Illinois. And if you tell me that no, he didn't, well, he did score Michigan's sole touchdown. He scored Michigan's sole touchdown in that game. I think, yeah. Michigan had four field goals, one touchdown. Illinois had two touchdowns and one field goal in that game. He helped us beat Penn State. He helped us beat Ohio State because Ohio State prepared for the game like he was going to play, and they 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 sold their soul to stop that run game, which helped open up the pass. He has been a big contributor and big leader, and he's selfless too delivering turkeys on Thanksgiving this year and last year, and he's he's a hard worker, and he he wants to help. He wants to be a good, good upstanding person, and I applaud him for that, and I applaud him for his achievements, 
And I don't know if he is going to be in the, the Heisman ceremony in New York. It seems like Caleb Williams is still the favorite to win it, but having him at least appear in New York would be pretty cool to have, you know, two Heisman finalists in a row, along with two of Jim Harbaugh's most successful seasons at Michigan. But this Michigan team, they're number seven in scoring offense. They're number five in scoring defense. They're 13-0, 9-0 in conference. Donovan Edwards doesn't have the same power ability that Corum has, but his top-end speed and upside and receiving ability are better. And seeing that Kalel Mullings is getting more used to that role as a power back, running back, and CJ Stokes seems to be getting better and better each game he plays, with a whole month of preparation, I am confident that this Michigan team can play at an elite level and win the national title without Corum. Will it be harder than if Corum was there? Absolutely. But they can still do it. And seeing that this team is undefeated, I expect I expect nothing less than that, if I'm being honest with you. J.J. McCarthy is an elite QB at his best and woefully average at his worst. I liked a lot of things about McCarthy in this game. I also didn't like a lot of things. There was a moment on third and long where he had Ronnie Bell or he had a receiver wide open and he decides to take off and run it. There was a potential face mask call that at the end of the day wasn't a face mask call and McCarthy was complaining about it. It's understandable. You know, you want to lobby for your team and have everything go your way. And that's one way you do it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you could have thrown it and got the first down. And there were other moments where he had, you know, where he 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 threw it and you could have ran and picked up five yards or, you know, ran and picked up the first down. He's inconsistent sometimes. Sometimes he tries to force things or play hero ball. And like Russell Wilson last year with, with the Seahawks to a certain degree. And his upside is is crazy. When he is on point, he's one of the best QBs in the nation. But there are also times where, like that deep ball to Ronnie Bell, you could have thrown it a little more on point, or that catch to that catch by Roman Wilson that was later overturned. He could have thrown that more on point. You know which one I'm talking about. It was overruled. It was overruled early, and I think it might have, if my memory serves me correct, stifled what was looking like a solid Michigan drive. He was 11 of 17 for 161 yards, three touchdowns, and he threw an awful deep ball interception where I think he was trying to hit Ronnie Bell but he overthrew him, threw it into coverage already, and Purdue just effortlessly picked it off. McCarthy on the year, after the regular season and championship week concluded, has thrown for 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's passed for 2,376 yards. He has a 79.0 QBR, which is 16th in the nation, and he has a 155.4 passer rating, which is 14 points higher than Cade McNamara last year, and his QBR currently is nearly 10 spots higher than what Cade's was at the conclusion of the 2021 season. So no doubt Michigan has made an upgrade, and I would say a sizable upgrade at QB. At the same time, though, as I mentioned in my video talking about Michigan and Ohio State both entering the playoffs and what I think they need to do as an early preview, McCarthy he can afford to play and have some inconsistent inconsistencies in his play. I think when facing TCU, because I don't think TCU's defense is good and physical enough and their offense isn't talented enough or balanced enough overall to, you know, 
to score on Michigan's defense, and their defense won't. I don't think it'll really stop Michigan's offense from just grounding and pounding. But against Georgia and against Ohio State, you got to play. He has to play like he did in those final three quarters against the Buckeyes uh, in in the game, in this year's edition of the game, where he threw tons of deep balls perfectly. He made good decisions. He ran with poise and with force, not sliding too early because he's fearful of getting hit, but picking up contact yards. And sometimes sliding in that game, you know, being wise, making near-perfect judgment. He has to do that if Michigan wants to win a national title. But with a month of preparation and what looks to be, this isn't out of arrogance, this is just out of being honest, whether it's from a football power ranking standpoint or a matchup standpoint, Michigan does have an easier game to play than Ohio State or Georgia do. It's just a fact. Donovan Edwards had another great game on the ground, along with Kalel Mullings. Mullings had two rushing touchdowns, used used as a fullback, if we're being honest here, and he's getting better and better at it. He had eight carries for 26 yards, 3.3 yards per carry, and two touchdowns with a long of six. Donovan Edwards had 25 carries for 185 yards, 7.4 yards per carry, and one rushing touchdown. Overall, Michigan had 225 rushing yards. They averaged 5.9 yards per carry, and they had three rushing touchdowns. Most of those yards coming in that second half. So Michigan, being a second-half team on the ground, through the air, overall performing at a very high level. Donovan Edwards on the year, and in his his past two games, he has had over, I think, over 400 rushing yards. Yeah, he's had over, he's had over 400 rushing yards in his past two games, three rushing touchdowns, averages, you know, eight yards per carry. It's crazy. He has nearly 1,000 rushing yards on the year on 117 attempts, seven touchdowns, averages seven and a half yards per carry. He's going to be on my all Big Ten team, on probably third team, maybe second team, but that might be stretching it. And I'm going to be releasing that video this week. I just want to do some more research. And I think that players who played in the championship game, they should have their stat. They should, their stats in that championship game should be counted toward them. They should be rewarded for appearing in Indy. Michigan's defense played a bend-but-don't-break game, and the Wolverines never broke. We already went over this. Michigan allowed... Look at what the Wolverines allowed. They allowed, like, 500 yards almost. 456 yards. And only 22 points. And they had two turnovers. They allowed 27 first downs. Purdue had more T.O.P., but Purdue was 9 of 18 on third down. One of one on fourth down. Most of those failed third down conversion attempts were were in the red zone. Purdue also had a nice, speaking of that fourth down conversion, a nice, like, well-executed fake punt that they totally got from that. They totally got that from that Ohio State game, and they executed it well. So congratulations to them. Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones played one of their better games all year. It was just, again, they faced a great defense. Charlie Jones had 13 receptions for 162 yards. Every time the ball was thrown to him, almost, a Charlie Jones caught it and beat whatever defender was on him. 
And that's how good of a wide receiver Charlie Jones is. Charlie Jones, this year, 1,361 receiving yards, 12 receiving touchdowns. He averages 12.4 yards per reception. Fantastic wide receiver. Aiden O'Connell was 32 out of 47 for 366 yards and two picks. Statistics, they won't tell you that he had a great game. They won't. His QBR was a 60. His passer rating was a 125 flat. But I think he had a great game. I mean, he put those throws, most of them, on the money. Threw them with perfect accuracy. Put the ball and placed it perfectly for most of his throws. And he had 47 throws. 47 of them. Of course, the disadvantages when you're facing a defense like that And of course, you begin to get in the red zone or you begin to get desperate because you're down. You have to make, you have to take risks. You have to try and make plays and force things where there might not be anything. And that's when Aiden O'Connell really started to make mistakes. But him and Charlie Jones, they played their hearts out and they, they earned respect from me. And I think that they're better players after watching this game than before they played in this game. Purdue's defense sold out against the run, but they got worn down in the second half. They were doing an extremely good job of containing Mullings, containing Edwards, containing McCarthy. They played a great game against the run, but eventually they broke. They broke down, and they allowed those 200-plus rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns in the second half. And that just goes to show the physicality of Michigan's O-line, the stubbornness that Michigan has on offense, where they're going to keep running it and keep running it, They're going to stick to their identity, not even out of stubbornness completely, but because they have faith in what they do, and they know that it works. They know that it works. It's worked every game this year when Corum or Edwards have had the ball. Last year, that wasn't the case. Rutgers, Michigan State, they were able to pretty well contain our run and force us into games where we were uncomfortable. No one's done that this year, and that combined with a a better passing attack is what makes this team significantly better than last year's unit. Jeff Brom's play calling got suspect toward the end. He called five field goals, but at the beginning, you know, that that fake punt, the fake flea flicker, which was just awesome. It wasn't awesome when I was watching it because I'm a Michigan fan. I don't want Purdue to look good against us, or if I want them to look good, I want you know, Michigan to crush them at the same time. But in retrospect, that was a fantastic play. He called some fantastic plays, but he was too conservative consistently throughout the game. And that did not help Purdue in what in earning their fifth loss of the season. Purdue finishes eight and five, Michigan 13 and 0. Michigan will take on TCU in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. And Purdue will play in the, I think it's the the Cheese at Citrus Bowl, I think is what it is, this year against LSU and Brian Kelly. And that's all I have to say for this video. If you liked it, please hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this game down below. And make sure that if you're listening on Spotify, you're following the channel, or if you don't want to miss my live stream tonight at 7 please hit that notification bell so you can get notified when I go live. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you around. Bye.